<clears throat> Ministry of Music, thank you for coming back tonight. Hope all you fathers had a, a wonderful day today. <clears throat> and thank you for those of you who made the fathers have that wonderful day. So. Tonight we are continuing in our study of the book of Revelation. We are up to Revelation chapter 15. Uh, next week, our brother Ben Herb is going to be speaking in the evening. Uh, so we are looking forward to that and come back and uh, hear him open the word of God to us. But as I say, tonight we are in Revelation chapter 15. I begin with a quote from uh, Paige Patterson in the New American Commentary. He writes, I quote, chapter 15 continues an interlude that is also an introduction to the final plagues, which will be enumerated in chapter 16 as part of the tribulation period. However, the interlude is replete with importance for adequate comprehension of what follows in the outpouring of the bulls of wrath. The reader is first introduced to a scene of triumph in heaven where specifically those who withstood the siren songs and threats of the false prophets are gathered. These extol the majesty of the king. The way is prepared for the introduction of the angels who are the waiters serving up the wrath of God. End quote. Our theme tonight is an astonishing preview in heaven of the final plagues that are about to take place. It starts off with the revelation of a sign in chapter 15, verse 1. Then I saw another sign in heaven. Uh, so this is not the first sign. We have seen other signs previous to this. But it says another sign in heaven, great and amazing. Seven angels with seven plagues which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. So I begin to note that the, the sign was a heavenly sign. So then I saw another sign in heaven, a heavenly token or indication of the significance of what is about to take place. The sign was demonstrative. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing. This sign was great in terms of its importance. It was the sign of all signs. So it speaks of previous signs, but none of them are as significant or as amazing as this particular sign was. <coughs> For, <coughs> excuse me. The sign was a marvelous sign, verse one. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing. It was a remarkable, astonishing, breathtaking sign. And the sign pertained to the seven plagues and the wrath of God, verse one. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues. The sign indicated the completion of God's fury on the earth. Seven plagues and seven, uh, seven angels with seven plagues which are the last, that is the plagues are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. 
When it speaks of the wrath of God in verse 1, this is not the normal word for wrath. Wrath is the settled disposition of God against evil. Uh, The wrath of God is manifested uh, on a regular basis against evil. The Word of God says that uh, God is angry with the wicked every day. The word for wrath here is a word for intense fury. Fury speaks of the intensity of God's wrath manifested against supreme injustices. So we could even translate this as a hot anger uh, and an infuriation of God. All right, so this is the greatest intensity up to this point that we see of God's anger against injustice. Thus, during this time, God is becoming more and more angry with the injustices that are taking place upon the earth against his people. Finally, that anger explodes into a furious outpouring of his wrath. So it is a response of the beast, the false prophet, of their persecution of the people of God, their misrepresenting the truth of God, the Antichrist that has come and has presented himself as the true Messiah and has deceived many, uh, causing them to receive the mark of the beast, all of which is just pouring anger of God upon anger of God upon anger of God. Things are getting worse and worse, and as they get worse and worse, God becomes more upset with what is taking place. The sign is described. It was a sign in reference to the throne of God. It says, and I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass. This is not the first encounter that we have with the sea of glass. Earlier in Revelation, we find the sea of glass speaks of the foundation of the throne of God. Revelation 4, 6. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass. So we're seeing a picture of God's throne. But it was a sign of God's judgment in verse 2. I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. This is the first time in the book of Revelation that that fire is added to this picture of the sea of glass. The fire represents the burning of God's anger. But it was also a sign of triumph, verse 2. I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire and also those who had conquered the beast. So there is this this triumph of those that have, have conquered the beast. Now, we need to understand this conquering in terms of their remaining faithful, to their being obedient to God even to the point of death. Many of these individuals are, uh, have been killed because of their faithfulness to God. So the beast was conquered in the sense that the beast could not turn them away from the true worship of God. Uh, his purpose was defeated. Uh, his desire was not accomplished. They triumphed. And it was a sign of joy. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, in the last of the verse, with harps of God in their hands. So now we have the sign manifested. Verse three, 
And they sing the song of Moses. Once again, in the book of Revelation, we are reminded of God's dealing with the Egyptians. I have been pointing out in the book of Revelation the informing theology that comes from the book of Exodus, that we see uh, the way in which the plagues that came upon the nation of Israel were a foreshadowing of what God was going to do in the end time. It was a way to teach us of God's ultimate and final judgment, wrath, and anger. We already noted how the plagues themselves are quite similar to the plagues that take place in the book of Revelation. Uh, The same ingredients, if you will, of the plagues. And it was one of the reasons that I gave for uh, taking these plagues to be quite literal, for they were very literal in the Old Testament. But here, we're now introduced to the Song of Moses. It is simply alluded to, it's not expounded upon, but I'm going to take the time tonight to demonstrate some of the similarities between the Exodus account and the Song of Moses with what is now taking place in this sign. So the first thing I want to point out is that the Song of Moses was a celebratory ta- song of victory. And let me just say one, one more thing that uh, we find habitually in the New Testament that there are allusions to Old Testament passages. We all know uh, that there are many quotations from the Old Testament. We know that there are a lot of allusions to events and circumstances of the Old Testament, and quite often they are not explained in any detail. Sometimes they are, but most often they're not. There is an assumption that the reader understands. All you have to do is say the word, and it conjures up all kinds of images and thoughts. So tonight I want to unpack some of those images and thoughts that are to come to mind as we think about this Song of Moses. So the first thing I noticed, the Song of Moses was a celebratory song. Verse 3, they they sing the Song of Moses, uh, recorded in Exodus chapter 15. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spoke, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. So that's the first comparison. This song is a triumph song. It's in celebration of God's victory. It's in celebration in the book of Revelation of the conquering of the beast. In Exodus, it's a celebration of the children of Israel uh, defeating the army of Pharaoh. B. They sang a song depicting God's incredible acts and bringing about the deliverance of God's people and his wrath upon his enemies. And they sang the song of Moses, 15.3, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb saying, great and amazing are your deeds. Now those deeds are not unpacked uh, in the book of Revelation. They're just referred to. These are his mighty deeds. But they are unpacked in the Exodus account. Exodus 15, 1. They sang the Moses and the children of Israel the song to the Lord, And spake, saying, I will sing of the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. 
the horse and his rider shall be thrown into the sea. Number one, the Lord granted deliverance of his people from the Egyptian army. The Lord is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, and my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord brought destruction upon his enemies and exercised his wrath. The Lord brought destruction upon his enemies. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. The Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemies. Let me go back and give you a little more history. I think many of you are very much aware of it, but just in case. uh, After the plagues came upon the land of Egypt, and the last uh, plague being uh, the Passover, uh, the uh, death plague, if you will, um, the children of Israel were allowed to leave uh, the land of Egypt. Not only did they leave, but they despoiled the Egyptians. Uh, they took riches with them that the Egyptians freely gave unto the Israelites. They just wanted them out of there. But after the, uh, the uh, Israelites left the land of Egypt, Pharaoh's heart was once again hardened. And he decided to take his army and pursue the children of Israel and to destroy them. As the children of Israel journeyed, they came to the Red Sea. And as they were at the Red Sea, they became incredibly frightened uh, for they saw themselves as boxed in. They were at wit's end. Uh, How in the world were they going to be preserved from the army of Pharaoh? But uh, God was going before them in the form of a cloud uh, by day and a fiery pillar by night. Uh, As the Egyptian army came upon uh, the Israelites, the cloud moved from being in front of the Israelites to now coming between the Israelites and the army. So the army could not uh, advance to the Israelites. At the same time, uh, God caused the Red Sea to part. And the Red Sea parted, and the children of Israel were able to walk across the Red Sea on dry ground. Once the children of Israel had crossed, the Egyptian army then tried to do the same thing. They tried to cross the, uh, the Red Sea on dry land as God had parted the waters. But as they got into the middle of the Red Sea, God caused the wheels of the chariots to to fall off, and they ran into all kinds of adversity. And then as they were bogged down in the middle of the Red Sea, God closed the seas upon them and drowned the entire army of the Egyptians. It is that event that now is being celebrated in song by the children of Israel. So Exodus 15, 5, the depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. 
The Lord poured out his wrath upon those who sought to destroy his people. Exodus 15, 7. In the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath. You see, this psalm is very much in keeping with the song that is being sung in the book of Revelation, hence being referred to as the Song of Moses. C. They sang of the sovereignty of God over all spiritual powers. Revelation 15, 3, they sang the Song of Moses, the servant of God, and the Song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Exodus 15, 11, the doxology. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You have stretched out your hand, the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy has led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The sign is then applied. All will fear before God. Revelation 15:4. Who will not fear, O Lord? And glorify your name. Exodus 15, 14 and 15. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. And if you remember the story of uh, Rahab, the harlot, and the taking of the city of Jericho, spies are sent out from the midst of the uh, Israelites after they have crossed the Red Sea. The first city they come upon to attack is the city of Jericho. And as the spies come into the city, Rahab tells them that they have heard of all that God had done, including the parting of the Red Sea. And so they were afraid, they were frightened. Even though they were an incredibly walled city, even though they seemed to be indestructible, the inhabitants and the leaders of Jericho were afraid. For they said, what God is like this? And Rahab was convinced that the city of Jericho would be destroyed. And she asked the spies to be merciful to her and to her family. And to remember her when they come in battle against Jericho. And of course God, in a very miraculous and wonderful way, defeated the people of Jericho. So all will fear. All will fear. Uh, Once... These plagues come, um, everyone on the face of the earth is going to fear this God. God is to be feared for he is holy. Revelation 15, 4. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee? Glorious in holiness. Again, the similarities. C, the fear that is to be expressed is to be expressed in worship. 
Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you. The uh, NAS translates that. For all nations will come and worship before you. Uh, This is not, at this point, conversion. This is a fulfillment of what Philippians 3 says, and that is that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, So this is now a submission in judgment of which everyone has to declare the reality of who God is. But again, this is not conversion, this is judgment. D, the reason we are to worship is that his judgments are made known. All nations will come and worship for your righteous acts have been revealed. So now the nations are not only going to proclaim the glory and power of God, not only are they going to uh, declare that this God is undefeatable, that no one can stand against him, but they're actually going to declare that his judgments are right. They are true. They are going to acknowledge their sinfulness. They are going to recognize the appropriateness of God's wrath being poured upon them. That is the ultimate victory, and that's the ultimate glory. For there will come a day when everyone will realize, not just the child of God, everyone will realize that God is holy, God is just, God is true, and their judgment is deserved. And they will give glory to God. Five, the transition from sign to fulfillment. There is a transition in the text that says after this, B, that which has been formally revealed is now actually seen as taking place. Verses six and seven. And out of the sanctuary, for remember, this is a scene of the throne of God. Out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with seven plagues, clothed in pure, bright linen with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God. See, the glory of God is being uniquely manifested. The Shekinah glory of God fills the holy temple. Revelation 15, 8. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God. Again, this is informing theology that takes place throughout the Old Testament. The Shekinah glory also filled the tabernacle at times, such as Exodus 40, 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, that's the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The Shekinah glory also filled the temple on the entrance of the Ark of the Covenant, 1 Kings 8, verse 6. Then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place. This is upon the inaugural of the, and dedication of the temple. The temple has just been built, just constructed, and now they're bringing in the temple wares. And they've gotten to the place of bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. 
Then the priest brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place, underneath the wings of the cherubim. And when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord. The Shekinah glory is fully revealed when the plagues end. A, no one could enter the sanctuary until the plagues were finished, for they were a manifestation of the ultimate glory of God, Revelation 15, 8. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. So the Shekinah glory is being manifested all during these seven plagues. During that time, God's glory is being revealed in an incredibly awesome way. B, when the Shekinah glory entered the tabernacle, Moses could not be present, Exodus 40, 35. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. When the Shekinah glory filled the inner holy place of the temple, the priests could not enter so that the priests could not stand and minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. So whenever God's Shekinah glory was manifested, no one could enter in. D, therefore, when the plagues are ended, once again, the sanctuary can be entered into. This means that his glory has been fully manifested. Revelation 15, 8. And the glory was filled uh, excuse me, and the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God from his power, and no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. In other words, this is God's unique visitation. This is God's manifestation. This is God's revelation. Just as the children of Israel were able to uh, witness the... Um, pillar of fire by day, the, uh, excuse me, the cloudy pillar by day, the fiery pillar by night, just as they could see the uh, Shekinah glory uh, enter into and rest upon and enter into the tabernacle, just as the priests could see the Shekinah glory entering into the holy place, the world will see the Shekinah glory of God. It will be awesome. They will come to a complete understanding of who this God is and what they are before him. A consideration of the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory has been through all time a unique method of signaling the appearance of God. The glory is not to be identified as part of God, but functions something as the spectacular train of a royal robe worn by a king. The kind of cloud simply shrouds everything around it in brightness and signals the presence of the one who is almighty, completely just and worthy of glory. Now the stage is set for the last plagues of the tribulation period. End quote. The glory of God is at one and the same time sparing his own, and bringing judgment upon others. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses had prayed that he'd be allowed to see God's glory. 
in response to that request of, of Moses to see God's glory, Exodus 34, verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. This is the song. This is the sign. This is the triumph. God showing mercy and forgiveness to thousands, literally millions, but at the same time, bringing judgment upon those who are guilty and deserving of his wrath. That is the introduction to the last seven plagues, and it's chapter 16 then that begins to depict these plagues. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you that by your grace we have come to understand our sinfulness. That by your grace we have accepted the truth of your assessment of who we are. That we have acknowledged that we are sinners in need of forgiveness. Lord, we thank you that you have shown us the means by which we can be forgiven through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we are thankful that through him you cause us to triumph and that we are going to be in your presence forever and ever and ever. Lord, we acknowledge that you are sovereign. You are holy. You are just. You can do miraculous things. There is no power that can stand against you. And just as you defeated the army of the Egyptians, you will defeat all your enemies in the future. Lord, you are to be glorified. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We thank you for your ultimate triumph. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.